Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 73. We are now solidly in the month of September. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the new little podcast rebrand. Um, and I want to reiterate from last week's episode that um, I kind of want to start a new thing. Like if I get enough responses, I might like make it a new segment of the podcast. Um, but I'd love to start reading um listener like thoughts so you know if you have like a specific thing that you want to say about a certain episode or just thoughts about creativity or kind of your own stories about um you know the artifice uh in your own creativity or your relationship with art um shoot me an email so my my email is on my website which is emvocals.com um so go there and there are like you know several different places where you can see my email address um and reach out to me or you can reach out to me um to my Facebook artist page or Instagram via the DMs or you know whatever um but I'd love to hear from you and um yeah I want to start just kind of like reading listener stuff and of course I'll shout out your name and I can give your uh like Instagram handle if you want or a Twitter handle or something um so if you if you want a, a little shout out on the podcast um yeah send me a message and, and, uh, make it a good one, you know? Um, <laughs> and then I'll, and then I'll, uh, read your, read your thoughts on the pod. Um, today's episode is with my new instant friend, Nick Mon. I loved meeting Nick and talking with him so much and just felt like an instant bond. Uh, you know, I'm a broken record. I say that all the time, but, um, but gosh, what a cool guy. What a nice guy. And what a, you know, just all the things just open and easy to talk to and so many beautiful, beautiful thoughts. Um, I know you guys are really going to love this episode. Um, my, I guess I'll just say now my, my, I have, I had a cable that was broken. Um, and you know how I've been saying in the past several episodes that the headphones, one of the headphones is broken. Well, as it turns out, it's really just this other cable that has nothing to do with the headphones. Um, and when I replaced that cable, the headphones fixed as well. And I, I suspected that maybe something like that was happening, but, um, for those that work with technology like this, you won't be surprised at all. But for those who don't, when you're working with something where like you have, you know, seven cables that are helping you get get one job done and something tricky and weird and glitchy is happening you don't know which of those seven cables it is you can like guess anyway so I think I've got the problem fixed but um during Nick's episode I think the cable like officially and fully went out um and it it stopped working a couple times and just like stopped recording so there are two kind of weird moments where suddenly like we're back and it had stopped recording and um, we lost like probably about 10 minutes of like, frankly, really beautiful and lovely thoughts from Nick, um, at the end of the podcast. And I'm, I'm really sad about that, but luckily there is plenty, plenty left to hear from Nick that is truly wonderful. Um, so I apologize in advance to you guys and apologize once again to Nick for, um, for losing a couple of precious moments there. Um, but it's okay. And it's, it's all good. So I'm going to read you, um, some stuff from Nick's bio now, and, um, it's written in the first person. So I know sometimes when that happens, I stumble a little, so bear with me. Okay, here we go. 
Nick Mon is the current company pianist at Ballet West in Salt Lake City. Nick fell in love with collaborative music while at Weber State, where he was employed as an accompanist for the ballet department, the voice department, the string department, and the musical theater department. He was a founding member of the piano trio trio, Tria Fata. Um, they performed around the country at festivals, including the Green Lake Chamber Music Festival, the Northern Lights Music Festival, and the MTNA Chamber Music Competitions. More recently, Nick has been employed as a collaborative pianist by the Sid and Mary Folger Chamber Music Festival, Summer Song, the Department of Musical Theater Voice Studios at the University of Utah, Imagine Ballet, Ballet Theater, and a number of theater companies across the USA. Currently, he is the acting artistic director for Next Ensemble, a chamber music collective in Ogden, Utah, where they are hoping to transform the concert experience by creating engaging musical programs in spaces where you wouldn't expect to hear formal art music. Ugh, I love that. And Nick also has an album coming out, um, and we talk about that more in the episode as well. So you guys, I'm so excited. Here comes Nick. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. This episode of Artifice is brought to you by AM Salt. Back in episode nine, I interviewed private chef Aubrey Nicoli, and I'm so excited to dedicate this month's ad spot to her latest creation. Andrew and I have been using Aubrey's all-purpose season salt for about a month, and we are crazy about it. We put it on everything, eggs at breakfast time, sandwiches, pasta, and our favorite, the homemade pizzas we're making with our new backyard pizza oven. You can even mix it with brown sugar to make an amazing barbecue rub. To welcome this gorgeous salt into your spice cabinet, head to Instagram at am.nicoli.salt. That's am.nicoli.salt. And don't forget to mention Artifice for a discount when you direct message Aubrey to make your purchase. change the height I'm and it always like it with the like, booms you know at the I piano know. I'm like this is just oh you have to play with a boom at the piano sometimes sometimes it, yeah I I'm a pianist not like you're a pianist <laughs> but I play I accompany myself sometimes uh-huh. and uh playing with a boom is so hard it's it's, it's a little weird and it's like also having to sing I feel like how but do I you, want right? to you want to move with your I, hands yeah, and, and your I body like, and yeah be a emote. little expressive yeah. totally and it's like I'm stuck yeah I can't, I can't move at all <laughs> um yeah so I always tell people sit how you want to sit and oh, then I'm bring the perfect mic this, to you. I'm comfy like I okay, mean I'll great. switch my leg crossing probably and then but, you know. I've got headphones um 
one of the ears of those headphones is not working, so okay. sorry about that. That's fine. But I like it because it's a bit of a, it's a monitor, you yeah, know? Yeah, you hear you kind, can of kind of what your levels are. Know right? if you're oh. moving away from it. That's, it's kind that's of very nice. nice. Is it too loud? No, I'm okay. fine. It's a little, it's very intimate. I like it. <laughs> I like it too. Intimacy and, and closeness and I'm, humanity. I'm kind of in the middle of writing a brand new album about those things. I love that. Yeah, I'm I just excited. finished an album about, it was all love songs. Really? But, yeah. Well, I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear about it. Let's okay. It's recording. Okay. What was I saying? Oh, so um, so I wanted to I wanted to interview you because I've I've been in a ballet studio just as a child in a silly way. I was mm-hmm. very bad at it. I have great rhythm, but I'm not graceful. And I I cannot wait to talk with you about what it's like to improvise with dancers in that way. Oh my gosh. It's incredible. I mean, it was terrifying when I first started doing it I can't for imagine. Ballet West. I had yeah. played for kitty classes and I'd played in college, but playing for a company class was like, oh my gosh, I have to yeah. keep up. <laughs> but it's become such a beautiful experience. So, yeah. Well, yeah. we'll we'll dig into we'll it. I like there. to go cr- chronologically. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you go by Nick or Nicholas? Nick. Nick. Okay. I'm, I'm Nicholas on paper or in a program. But okay, but you're call Nick. Call me Nick. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Um, before we start, start, is there anything that you know you want to talk about? Like anything that you're dying to philosophize about? <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I think the unconventional path. That's just yeah. kind of what my experience has been. Okay. And I think the thing that leads me always, I always think, you know, let the music ring, follow the music. And that puts you in touch with the people and the relationships that I need. That you need. Um, I really relate to that. Listening to that kind of inner voice, inner music. Yeah, kind of intuition. Yeah. Yeah. That has been really valuable in all aspects of my life okay. but that has I led me to where that. I am professionally as well I've, I've been thinking lately that I need to get better in this podcast at telling people like it's just a conversation like anything yeah. you want to talk yeah. about is yeah. like is on the table um, I should I should be t- I should say like I don't want it to feel like an interview as much as like <laughs> we're just talking but we're mostly talking about you so I'm so good at talking about myself darling. <laughs> that's what I always tell people they're like I'm nervous and I'm like well what are you more of an expert in than you yourself so it should be fine <laughs> well I love to start with people at the beginning of their lives and yeah. ask what you were like as a creative child um I think I was pretty precocious I I I mean I, my first memory is really um I was singing all the time yeah. uh my mom's mother we sang like Mormon primary songs right so like I'm a yeah. child of God and Jesus said love everyone <laughs> yeah. you know these beautiful ideas of yeah. Identity and community. Um, I was also, my dad was an electrician, but we were farmers. My grandpa, his dad was a dairy cattle farmer. You grew up? In Cash Valley. Okay. okay. Um, in a little town called Wellsville. Okay. Right there at the mouth of... Some canyon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A canyon. Yeah, sardine canyon. <laughs> How did I end up here? I mean, some yokel kid from... <laughs> farm country but you know um, well you're an artist I, yeah. I mean that's I think about that I draw I not to derail you so early but I right. but to derail yeah, you so yeah. early I love a good time um, <laughs> I play a ton of wedding gigs in mm-hmm. like Montana Idaho like mm-hmm. you know they're they're middle of nowhere places but they're gorgeous mm-hmm. so people want to get married there mm-hmm. and as I'm driving through tiny tiny little towns um and seeing little houses I just think I think I'm obsessed I think all the time like 
there's a little there's like a little artist in one of these houses that was me yeah you know but I was so lucky because I had parents who fostered that in my brothers and I my mother was a pianist she was teaching piano lessons to neighborhood kids from the time she was pregnant with me um so I grew up with piano music okay Uh, my three younger brothers and I we all started lessons with my mother um she read us stories. I mean, we had we had quiet time in the summers yeah. when we were off of school. She'd read Black Beauty and Little Women. I love and that book. I mean, so uh, the world was an imaginative place. And then we cool. had these beautiful mountains yeah. and all of these wheat fields around us, farm animals. I mean, we had a mountain lion that was... Like a buddy, y- you know, like, <laughs> like a regular, really a buddy, but a regular, <laughs> a regular. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like <laughs> you stay in your corner yeah. and we'll stay Did here. Did he have a name? No, because <laughs> he wasn't a buddy. Yeah, I <laughs> get it. Really. Don't eat the dogs. <laughs> Don't um, eat the children. You know? yeah. yeah. But um, so, I mean, it was an imaginative place. My friends and I, my brothers and I, I remember we always played Let's Pretend. Yeah. Um, I loved drawing. Uh, my dad's mom, she'd come up and babysit us. Uh, she'd make my parents go out on a Friday night date. And it was either her or Grandpa Mon. When she came, she'd put us to bed a little bit early and it would make my brothers and I upset. So but mad. then I would hear these glorious sounds coming from the television and she was watching the Metropolitan Opera oh my gosh. on PBS. And so I would sneak out and sit behind oh the couch. Gosh. And I don't know how, I must, I mean, I must have been four or five years old, but uh, Leontine Price, yeah. like singing yeah. at the Met, and right? You, and you loved that right from then. I did. Yeah. Um, we had an album of the Phantom of the Opera that I had listened to all the time. And I did that one too. My grandma Buck was <laughs> just like, Maxine, why are you letting him listen to this? <laughs> and my mom said, I'm not making him listen to it. Yeah. He just wants to. Yeah. So I always loved drama. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, legends, fairy tales. Yeah. Um, family history stories. What do you so. think that comes from? Like, <laughs> where does a magical child come from? I. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I think it probably came with me. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how to talk about spiritual life. I experience it very deeply, but, um, whoever, whatever I was that became me, um, it was there. It was there. And I had parents that saw that and really wanted to, allow me to engage with that. That's really precious. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have thoughts? I mean, it's anyone who listens to the podcast knows I'm obsessed with this question of how we teach creativity. You know, I, I, I am obsessed with this Mm -hmm. because I think it's so important. And I think that like the thing that you come with maybe isn't creativity. The Mm -hmm. thing you come with is an interest, Mm -hmm. a curiosity. Mm -hmm. And then creativity is something that you could learn or not learn. Mm -hmm. But then I feel really stressed out about whether you can teach that other thing. Like, can you teach an appreciation Mm -hmm. for magic and and beauty and art? I think, um, I, I think you can foster that. I mean, I I taught piano from the time I was 15 until just this year when I got the gig with Ballet West. Um, And you have different personalities that come into the room, right? Into this teaching studio. Yeah. And I, I really, I wanted my students to feel like they could play. Yeah. Yeah. And I think play, you think play is 
curiosity. Totally. It is exploration. It is learning limit, but also openness. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think play is important Yeah. in teaching creativity or, or I feel like we get, um, domesticated or you know trained away from being free yes in play yeah and we have this idea uh, like I don't draw anymore I don't sing anymore I've worked with singers for a large part of my career but I don't sing like you yeah you know I used to there are videos of me singing you know Fievel Goes West but yeah uh, so even in myself Right, that kind of wildness goes away. Branches of that creativity. Oh my gosh, I think about this so often. And I think we have to really work hard to like salvage pieces of it. Mm -hmm. Like I've found for myself, because I've experienced something so similar. I feel really creative and wild when I'm songwriting, but Mm -hmm. like I'm not doing that all the time. It's like I'm writing for a record and then I'm not writing for a while. But like I have to I have to do it in like cooking. Mm-hmm. I have to do it in just the way that I think about stuff. Yep. Like let that kind of yeah. magic exist in my brain. Yeah. But yeah, I really, I really relate to what you're saying where as a child, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then the older you get, you have to kind of fight for it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was, I was just talking to one of my adult voice students um, and I gave her the assignment to like play. I was like, mm-hmm. I want you to sit down at your piano. I mean, I'm teaching singing lessons, but, mm-hmm. um, but I asked her to sit down at her keyboard and like, just play the white keys or like, just play the black mm-hmm. keys, like dim the lights, like put a right. candle on and like, just like let yourself kind of like marvel at like the sounds that are coming mm-hmm. out and how the different notes like interact together. Because I think you're right. It does become this totally like sterile, um, goal oriented, yeah. like finish line. Yeah, totally. It totally does. And I, uh, that's one thing I do when I practice. I mean, I remember in college I'd sit at a keyboard and I would touch the key with different yeah. angles and pressures yeah. of my fingertip to hear the different like what sound does it creation. do yeah and I remember you know students that I was in school with be like what are you you're wasting your time why aren't you practicing your scales and your yeah. cadenzas and yeah because this is fascinating yeah like, like it's colors it and it's to the way I use my body yeah um so I think finding a way to keep that play in that creativity that exploration Mm -hmm. it's really important so you had this beautifully rich creative environment Uh and all this beautiful like outdoor inspiration um when did you start like getting serious about piano where you're like I want to practice and you start kind of being like motivated in that way um I don't really know how to answer that question because I've been playing my whole life. You were always kind of like... My mom started me when I was five years old. Okay. um, And she quickly came to the belief that I needed, and it was probably, you know, the right realization, but that I needed some more rigorous training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we shopped around teachers for a minute and I ended up um, studying at the youth conservatory at the university, Utah State University. Okay. And sorry, how old were you? I would have been seven or eight when okay. I started up there. So you were so little. So yeah. before that, you were just like tearing through your piano books. Is that, I mean, like I, how, why I, did your mom think you need 
more rigorous I don't training. Really, no. My mother is another really intuitive person, mm-hmm. um, and she's very decisive. And I think, I mean, I had three younger brothers. How old? Yeah, I would have. Matthew would have been. You're the oldest. Like three. Mm-hmm. I'm the and oldest Austin. as well. Well, how nice! Yeah. <laughs> Look at us. I think that helps give yeah. us some drive and A accountability little, yeah. in what we do creatively too. Uh, but I never know if it's because I'm the oldest or because I'm an Aries, but it's maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just the a Gemini little... <laughs> that wants to be everywhere and do everything. So, you know, balance. Um, so, uh, she was intuitive. Yeah, yeah, she was intuitive. And she had two other kids that she was trying to take care of. And she had, I mean, she was creative in her own right. She had a salon in the basement. I cool. mean, she cut hair while my dad was at work. Um, so she had really limited time to devote to... Uh, what I was expressing at the piano. So you were just, you were kind of just showing that you were like hungry. Mm-hmm. You were like yeah. capable yeah. of more. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think it's real. I mean, my dad's an electrician. He sings beautifully, but my parents knew nothing about like really education. what it means to, you yeah. know, my mother played Mozart and Chopin, but going to the youth conservatory was a completely different experience. Um, I was there probably until I was 11 or 12. And I just remember I had all of this anxiety. Like yeah. I wanted to please these professors. Yeah. I wanted to play well. I was playing master classes and competitions. Um, and it just wasn't healthy. So my mom mm-hmm. took me out of that. And I studied with a woman named Charlene who was really good at getting me back into play. Like we had creative projects that we did. We had group classes with other kids. Um, she had us composing Halloween pieces every year. Cool. Um, and so that really, um, I mean, I had a fair enough technique, but to have that kind of creative play was great. Yeah. And then she moved and I studied with a lady named Annette College who um, really fostered in me a love of making music at the piano. Um, what, what do you mean? I always loved it, but my training was all about technique right. and all about memorization and all about consistency, which is important in yeah. making music, especially when you're being trained to be a solo concert pianist. Totally. Right. Um, but I, I did have this flair for drama um, and, and narrative and, and connecting, creating community. Mm. I think that was a really important part of my hometown life. And Annette said, you can do these things yeah. with making music. It's not mm-hmm. just about you in a practice room. Right. I mean, it is about you in a practice room, but it's about the communal goal. Totally. Of that. This is the kind of thought, I mean, I, I get so, I get so on one about this mm. so often, but that part of what we're doing, like as full-time professional creatives and part of the skill set that we're learning as hopefully children and teens mm. that like allows us to do that is being creative about our mediums, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of like having, having this ability to go like, okay, well, these are my values. These are my interests. These are the things that let me be a person. How do I infuse and integrate these things mm-hmm. into my technical practice? Because mm-hmm. I think that's just, it's forever happening. Um, yeah, okay, wait, I wanted to ask you one other thing. Oh, d- you probably don't, but I just, I want to ask anyway, do you remember at all being like, you know, before you went to the 
conservatory. What mm-hmm. was it called? The master classes? Yeah. The, youth, the youth, youth conservatory. Youth conservatory. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like how you felt about the piano or how you felt about music? Like, can you put words on like what was, what changed during that kind of less healthy time? Um, I think, well, I mean, it's been a, <laughs> right. It's up and down. It's such a thing like lack of, but in between but I art think as a and kid, I facility. loved, um, I loved my voice. I loved singing. We were in church every week singing, yeah. you know, hymns with, with, and, and Wellsville, my, my grandmother was a singer, right? She had a ladies quartet. Um, she took me to the opera. I loved awesome. my voice. I loved the voices of other people. Yeah. And then to be able to, um, translate that to an instrument that was larger than myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's black and white and, and I live, I've always lived in a world of gray. So to have something that is so solidly either or, yeah, it's like but quantized. still allows me <laughs> to express, yeah. um, I loved that. Uh, yeah. there was, you could get low sounds and high, um, I, it expanded my voice That's so range beautiful. wise. Yeah. Um, and like volume wise, yeah, you yeah. know, so it was like this larger extension yeah. of myself I composed a lot. Um, how did you do that? Like how, you were just I, playing. I was just playing. I was a really good sight reader. Um, and I, I credit that back to my mom. She had us reading like books as kids, yeah. which I think, um, helped with my music reading. Um, and so, I mean, there are old scores with clunky quarter notes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like I, I don't, I really credit it to my parents saying, this is your interest. Yeah. Go for it. My brother, they, all of my brothers, they've just been, um, we've all been able to grow up and be individuals who have a strong sense of self, but wow. also a strong sense of community. And That's it, I, amazing. I blame that on mom and dad. <laughs> I, I'm so moved by that. Um, my parents are not at all that way. So yeah, some of these things, you know, it's so interesting. Like, you know, there are things that we come into the world with like Mm -hmm. our little personalities Mm -hmm. and then the way that they are fostered or not. Mm -hmm. I tend to be like a huge believer in like human resilience, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of the, the stickiness of like our kind of core personalities. Um, yeah, yeah, like Uh they can kind of come back, they're moldable and they can bounce back. Um, but I love hearing that, that like you just felt free to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I love the imagery of like the piano being this thing that's literally bigger than you. Um, yeah. I mean, a nine foot instrument, yeah. you know, it's, it's a massive instrument, but it has so much expressive quality Yeah, and they're everywhere. I don't, I just, it's it, cool. It's a magical One thing. thing that I loved about the piano as a little kid, and I think I always am, have been a singer. You know, I mm-hmm. think like, I think I was a singer when I was a tiny baby, but I did dance and I did dance like a singer uh-huh. <laughs> and I played piano and I played piano like a singer. Yeah. <laughs> I think I played piano like a singer. Like my, my musical line is very much a singer's line. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not pianistic. I love that. Um, but I was going to say I loved the fact that the piano didn't have to breathe. Like uh. there was something about like the pedal that just like me- I'm, and I think the I'm still mesmerized magical. by it. Everyone yeah. loves the pedal. When yeah. I'm teaching pedal to students, they love it. Yeah, I still do. Yeah, it's a cool thing. I still like when I'm writing sometimes, you know, I'll play 
on my stupid keyboard and like just hold the pedal down and like never let go of it just mm-hmm. so I can hear like all of the chords yeah. in the phrase together yeah. Yeah. just like hear them kind of yeah. how do they interact with each other um yeah I, I like that idea though that it's like it's like an extension of you but it's like a you that's like can do some things that you can't yeah. do it's yeah cool yeah it's cool and so then when you were at the conservatory some of it started to get a little icky mm-hmm. but I think it's worth saying and it's it's a theme that's been cropping up a lot in my conversations recently that we're always balancing art mm-hmm. with like I don't know what you'd call it like I mean you could just say technique but I think like the craft like the skill mm-hmm. the the facility the mm-hmm. you know um and you're so right that we go through mm-hmm. you ha- you kind of have to yeah you do you and dig I, and you into a skill and then you both. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that got really icky uh, in my preteens at the conservatory was I, I really was such a people pleaser. I still am, but I've, yeah. you know, become much more solidly myself and Good. unapologetic about yeah. it. But uh, it was really tough for me as a nine, 10 and 11 year old to play to the levels that my professors wanted and then to have them um be so visibly and verbally disappointed yeah it 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 was not it was completely different than the world my parents had created Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the two I mean I was good with criticism as long as there was some support like love Yeah. yeah you know but um it wasn't even discipline. And I'm su- I went back for my first year of college. Um, I studied with, with the professor there as a high school kid. Um, he team taught me with, with Annette. And when I went to college that first year, I was, uh, I was really shocked. Um, at what a different experience it was even in mm. high school or when I had been a kid. Interesting. Um, it was, I knew it was going to be competitive, but I didn't know that the competition would be driven by the powers Ew. that yeah. were there. Piano performance is like, especially intense. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of that. Mm-hmm. I, I- uh, logic. logic. Okay. Well, there you go. New things happening every day. Look at us adapting. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay, I've had enough adapting this year, though. Can we like, yes, can we can like we stop the adapting forward. for 2020? Can um, we fast forward and keep the lessons that we will have learned yes, in the future, please. right? Um, my computer just went out for a second, but we're back on. And so, um, oh, so I wanted to ask you: Is there anything else that you want to say about? your developmental years, um, as a child or as, uh, a teen, um, in terms of how you were forming like your creative identity or your artistic identity, or as we're going, as we're following you into college, Um, anything else that we need to know? I mean, I, I think the other huge part of my personality is that I'm just so social Hmm. and so trying to balance, friendships and and relationships uh with you know I was practicing four hours a day right um I it was really important for me to have friends and people to bounce ideas off of and so um but I also needed to get this yeah practice hour uh benchmark every week 
So mm-hmm. I learned how to be adaptive. Um, I took re- some released time in high school. I remember going and practicing uh, the piano on the stage, like at lunch and the end period of the day so that I was just, I was learning time management, learning how to work more efficiently. Um, and I think that has been an important part of my, uh, career as well yeah I always forget to ask artists about this because I forget that it's like not a given for like Mm -hmm. other people Mm -hmm. (laughs) who aren't artists but when you say practicing four hours a day I know that you mean that oh yeah and I think lots of people who you know just people don't know they they don't understand no the commitment that we put in as children I mean there were times my family would go on vacation and I was preparing for a competition I would just stay home yeah um, I stayed home from family vacations as all well. All the time, yeah. you know? Uh, and and so I think I was learning. I, I, You choose what you miss out on. Yeah. But then I was also learning, if I missed out on stuff with my family, that was really tough. Yeah. And that has become such an important lesson. Like knowing how to define what I want and the steps to achieve that, whether that's musically, yeah. um, you know, relationships in my life, uh, professional career, that kind of stuff. You Do know? you have thoughts like as a teacher about like how to decide which students you need to require <laughs> that kind of thing of? Do you know what I mean though? Yeah, like that's really hard. Yeah. That's really hard. Um, I think it has to be led by the student. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it can be led by the parents. I don't think it can be led by the teacher. I think the student needs to, they need to be obsessed, define yeah. that desire. I think so too. And, and hopefully as teachers, we're giving them skills enough to say, this is what I want or this is what I think what I want. Yeah. Then we can help them research and and study that choice yeah. and then say okay these this is what you want i will help you be accountable yeah. to that um how often or or ever have you had a student that like reminds you of you <laughs> that you're like i have had maybe two or three yeah um uh i had a a kid that i taught he was probably nine or ten when i was teaching him and i taught his sisters they were militarily mil- a military family. I like militarily. Yeah. Right. That's something, but (laughs) they were, they were so clever and so creative. Um, his sisters were brilliant and elegant players, but there was something about, um, Michael that I just was like, you, I know you. Yeah. And this is a puzzle for you. Like it was a puzzle for me. Yeah. And, um, I ended up getting another job. So I left teaching for Weber state and he was, he studied with another teacher, but I mean, the things that he, he played a Bach invention and the things he was doing with articulation, I thought, where do you find this creativity? I didn't really do anything other than say, that's really tasteful. That looks like you're not being as efficient as you could be. Let's, and yeah. I, you know, uh, he was kind of doing it though. He was, though. He was doing there. it, you know, yeah. and he had the creative support at home as did his sisters that I taught. Um, and then you have the other kids that you're like, this is a weekly fight. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, it's so you know, bizarre. How, like, I always struggled with them. Like, how do I, I don't understand why you don't love this. I don't understand. That sentence you just said, like, hit me a little. You know, like, how do I, <laughs> yeah. and it almost feels personal that there is that much of a struggle yeah. in that space. I always thought, as a teacher, I thought, this time is really sacred. Where else in your life do you have an hour with one other person totally. in complete focus without any other distraction? Yeah. I mean... This is so cool and so rare. I Why don't you love this? I feel the you know? same way. I think about that so often and mm-hmm. it's like just I'm I'm like relieved to hear you say it. Mm-hmm. Um cuz I like when you said that I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's so real." Yeah. Um but yeah, like I, like how is it that like I love your mm-hmm. voice more than you do? Yeah. How is it that like I'm more moved yeah. by like y- your like little accomplishments? Right. Like these little flourishes in Is your they personality. Don't, they don't know yet. They I don't, don't have the desire. Like, I think sometimes I look back and I, like with, with um, Michael, I thought, I want to train you to the level I was trained, but I want to do that in a way that is supportive to your creativity. Yeah. I don't want to do to you what was done to me. Yeah, I don't want to wreck you. Yeah, <laughs> wreck you know, that. like, um, I don't know where that came from. Why did I say that? Oh, anyway. I think just because you were going to say, I mean, I, I think I get it. Like you, you want to be like as supportive as you can yeah. and push the right amount. And you yeah. were wondering like, where does, uh, have do they not know it yet? Yeah. I mean, which oh, yeah. I think do is. Do they not have the experience to look back and say, oh, this, th- they- Yes. But then I think some kids just really don't have the desire and their parents are making them do it. Yeah. You know? Well, I feel like I also have students sometimes who they do have a desire. Maybe it's not as overt as mm-hmm. mine was or yours was, mm-hmm. but they have a little sparkle of something mm-hmm. and the parent won't let them, Yeah, you know, like oh, they yeah. spend so much more time with their parent than they spend with me. Yeah. And if their parent is like, you know, I, I have the experience and it's probably just, it's instrument based, mm-hmm. I think, but I have the experience where, you know, parents will call me and be like, well, I really think she sounds better singing Demi Lovato than this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So can you just have her do that? And I, I'm like, but we're trying to build, mm-hmm. like I want her out of her comfort zone yeah. and she wants out of her yeah. comfort zone and you want her to be a YouTube star. So right. we're stuck what here somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I wonder too, with voice, I wonder if you get, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but if you get more students who are doing that out of a desire to better their own voice. Yeah. Do you find that? I, I get, I'm not sure what you mean, but I get a lot of students who just, they, their parents want them to be famous. Like, oh, okay. and it's the, so it's, it's the parents so much. The student. Sometimes the student, I think they'll say things to me like, I want to be the next Megan trainer. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll get on Wikipedia and read Megan trainer's Story. bio. Yeah. And then I'm like, do you want this? Because like she was doing all of these things when she was 12, oh, 13, yeah. 14. Yeah. And I can't get you to practice one hour a week. It's tough. I, I mean, I had, I had a lot of kids, especially when I was in Cash Valley who, you know, they were, well, and it was the same with my younger brothers, but they were learning piano to play like 12 hymns on their mission or play for young women's or, you know, there was, there was always a utility to the, and maybe that's the same thing with this YouTube famous, you know, that it has to like make money or yeah. Or bring some social, Mm -hmm. uh, capital. Yeah. 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 I, I could talk about this Uh, stuff forever. Yeah. 
Because I feel so, I mean, I when you said like this time is really sacred, I felt like that as a child and maybe especially because my parents were not creative and mm. I did not feel seen or like there was room for that for me at home. So when I was in my lessons, it was totally sacred. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when, and I come as a teacher and I'm, I'm positive you're the same, fully invested oh, in the student. I hope so. Like I will love you <laughs> and I do love you. Everything yeah. outside of that yeah. studio door. Yeah. 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 And when I feel the student like not receiving that, mm -hmm. I'm just like, is it because you don't need it? Or like, yeah. are you missing it? I like, just, I turn into yeah. my mom and I get frustrated with that. Like, yeah. why aren't you willing to do this with me? I get sad. <laughs> like I get like depressed about it. Yeah. I'm like, that's probably a help. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> I, know. I don't know. I don't know. I just get I mean, angry. Sometimes but... I get frustrated, yeah. but I think most of the time I just feel like a little heartbroken. Yeah. Cause I think it's also like, you're not getting love. Yeah. Right. Like you're not being yeah. received yeah. either. Yeah. It, it does. Like when you're giving feel, a lot yeah. and it's not being like mm -hmm. received, that yeah. it, that is like that is it hurts my feelings. It is, it is yeah. hard. It's very hard. <laughs> it hurts my little like <laughs> artist feelings. Yeah. Um I wanted to ask one other thing actually. Uh -huh. When you Okay, I, no, two. When did you know that you wanted to be a pianist? Um I remember you were being, serious I about remember it so being young. at the youth conservatory and I saw the college student. We had a Tuesday night recital every week and the college students would come in and they were playing Chopin etudes and they were playing Rachmaninoff concertos and they were playing all of this incredible rep. And I remember, um, I don't really remember the first big piano concert I ever attended, like at the symphony or something, but I remember being excited about seeing them play. And I thought, okay, I want to be able to do that. And then when I did start performing, I loved the connection with the audience. Yeah. There was something about the way I played that made people feel comfortable. <coughs> Pardon me. Yeah. How dare you have phlegm? I know. How dare I, you be a mammal? I know. <laughs> um, but it, I, I allowed them to be themselves when I played. They, yeah. There wasn't a... So I loved that. That's so beautiful. And that has been something I've looked for, whether it's been solo pianist, whether it's been uh, chamber music, which really gives me the you know, community. Chamber music is the aspect. best. I love it. Small you know? group. Yeah. Musical theater. Um, playing now for the ballet. I mean, it's all for me. It's all about how are we creating relationship in this space yeah. with this art music? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and what does that say about us? I really don't want to talk about the music a lot unless I'm giving context about, you know, this is what yeah, this yeah, composer yeah. was feeling when they were writing it or, right, right. but um, what are we creating together in these spaces? Yeah. I think so to answer your question, uh, I became really serious probably in eighth or ninth grade. Okay. Um, I attended Utah State for a year. I served in Pennsylvania for a little while, came home really sick, and then um, transferred to Weber State where my focus moved from solo music to collaborative music. Okay. And that changed my world so that's yeah. when I really became I went oh this is I don't just have to teach I don't just have to perform I can collaborate I can accompany I can apply the tools that I have learned 
in my solo practice to a large group. I can use my ears to help mm. a chorus blend, you yeah. know, like I can use my rhythm and the ways I teach rhythm to my little students to a chorus to have them cut off without having me to direct them, right. you know, from the you pit. You can lead it in. You know, yeah, Isn't that you know, a magic? Like, it's just yeah. incredible that these groups of people can do these things. Um, and so then, that, that really moved you when you were like 21. Yeah, 21, 22. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. What were you going to say? I don't remember. Sorry. That's my bad. No, you're fine. Um, uh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and read this thing that you wrote now. Okay. All right. So Nick sent me this musings, which is musings is one of my favorite words in the English language. Um, and I just, I just wanted to read it. So I just, this last little paragraph you wrote in re-examining my definition of professional success as a musician, I've learned to welcome experimentation, adaption, communication, and collaboration as the expansive tools that facilitate communion in performance instead of isolating performing artists, their colleagues, and their audiences. Success isn't a solitary, solitary adaptation. It's a communal achievement. Um, and that you say, that's an idea I want to share. And I just like, oh my gosh, I love it so much. I couldn't agree more. Mm. Um, I don't know. Let's just talk about it. Okay. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what specifically, but like, yeah, these ideas of like what success means, did that like sink in for you when you were like in those early twenties that success is making something together? Um, no, yes and no. I knew that when I was making music with others, it was more meaningful for me. Yeah. Um, I played in a trio for six or seven years and it, it, Sam and Katie, Sam's cellist, Katie's a violinist. They are probably the closest people I have to spouses mm. because of what we shared yeah. in rehearsal, in performance, in traveling together, in working out creative problems on a piece of work or programming, um, we learned how to value each other's strengths yeah. and then boy each other's weaknesses and we became stronger together. Yeah. Um, that felt like success. Um, Do you ever feel like that's the art in and of itself? Mm -hmm. I think about it's that the so much. Yeah. The stage is just the polish, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's, we, here's what we've done. And I sometimes feel bad for the audience because they haven't experienced or witnessed yeah. that process. Mm. And that's where the growth and the expansiveness occurs. Yeah. Um, I should grab some context. So you, did you, so anything you want to say about your college time? Um, I was there too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started out on the solo career path Yeah. and I'm a very good sight reader. Um, one of my scholarships was for accompanying. Cool. And I was given like Brahms sonatas and Beethoven trios. I mean, really, really, really tough material uh, that I could learn quickly. I was a very sensitive accompanist. I learned yeah. how to read cues about bows and about voice and breathing. That's um, amazing. That's, and so that's I a was craft. hired frequently as an accompanist um, in string department and then I worked my first year at Weber State. I was working as the rehearsal pianist for our opera production. Okay. So I started working in the voice department. Um, and then somehow I ended up in musical theater. And I really, I, I really loved it. 
it was the music wasn't challenging in the same way classical music was. Yeah. Uh, but the challenge was bringing this group of people together to tell a story. Right. And so, um, and I also really got involved in teaching there. We had a pedagogy program, which is incredible. Cool. cool. Um, in Shoot. college, I feel like I had so many avenues. Yeah. I was working too much. I dropped out um, because I thought if I'm making money now doing what I'm yeah. supposed the, um, the theory and the oral skills part of it, like all of that was really boring and Tedious, easy because yeah. I had done it at conservatory sure. before. Um, and I just wanted, I just wanted to work. So that's what I ended up doing. Okay. Okay, cool. And then, um, what are like the big things that you've done like since then, just so I have some context <laughs> and then we can like Is philosophize. Any of it big? Um, no, it, I think it's all, I mean, I'm more worried that it's all big. Uh, <laughs> Not well, worried. But. I always worry that it's all micro, but, um, I, so what have I done? So the trio was huge. Trio Fada was huge. Um, we toured the States cool. and, and did really well there for six or seven years. Um, one of, let's see what else. Ginger Bess is a good friend of mine. She's a vocalist. I she she has been local, her. but I think she's back in Massachusetts. She's she, back east now, but I I feel like I maybe bright, did a gig where she opened and, for the. I was playing with with like a cover band, and mm -hmm. she did like the cocktail hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, we did a I lot of that. I think, and maybe you were there too. We may have. I maybe I don't yeah. know, but we um we had a a show that we did called the golden age of golden age of jazz. Okay. But saying that, like knowing you're like, you're like a, I know it's jazz, there's, like, there's jazz. That's actually jazz. And yeah, then there's jazz. There's that's like, like Broadway jazz. Yeah, They're both totally things. Yeah. yeah. It's so we did that. I'm not offended. Okay. I just, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it, music is music and words are words yes, and it's genre true. is tricky. Right. So we did that show for a number of years, um, here locally, St. George, we did it back east, New York City. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, I worked extensively with um, Good Company Theater up in okay. Ogden. We did a lot of music. I interviewed and shows. Camille. I know, I yeah. saw oh, that. It was so, so amazing. fun when I saw the roster of everyone that's <laughs> like, been on I this podcast. I'm like, <gasps> I kind of feel like I'm in really great company. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah, no, it was really cool. Um, what else? I don't know. And then, uh, and then, and, then, the, and now ballet, the West. ballet. Okay, great. So. That's amazing. You've done so many, such a variety of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this podcast is called artifice mm -hmm. because it's a cool word. Mm -hmm. And because I'm obsessed with the ways that we relate to our art, mm -hmm. the ways that we relate to our audiences, vice versa, please. It's allergy season in a no, big way. Um, yeah. And it's also like the fact that it's coronavirus year is making everybody like really embarrassed about their allergies. Do you I, feel that? Yeah, I feel I that sometimes so. like I every time I sneeze, I'm like, it's pollen. <laughs> when I'm playing a concert, I just, it must be something to do with adrenaline, but my nose just drips. I always really? feel bad for the page turner. <laughs> <laughs> it just is what it is. Like I said, I, like I said before, like how dare you be a mammal? Every time my body like does something that I'm like, this isn't ladylike or right. whatever. I'm like, I'm a mammal. Right. But I, when it happens on stage, right? That word artifice, right? You're not supposed to know that I have. Right. You're not supposed to know I'm a mammal. Right. Yeah. But I always look at my dog who I think is so beautiful and I feel like he's walking artwork and I just think you're disgusting too. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. 
we're both we're yes. both i love the duality yeah. love the duality i tell myself all the time like you're a mammal it's okay <laughs> i'm gonna steal that I, I really like it i want it to catch on so i i um this is just this is unrelated specifically to us but i think you'll like it mm-hmm. um i was watching this documentary the other day and i mentioned this in the intro of i think last week's podcast um but i but i'm i I can't get it out of my head. So I was watching this documentary called Disclosure. It's on Netflix. Oh yeah, I need to watch that. It's I've heard so, so much beautiful. About it. Yeah, I watched it and then I watched it again. Like, yeah, I, need I just to started sit it down again. And watch that. But Lily Wachowski is one of the kind of like talking mm-hmm. heads in the documentary, and she said this thing that I was like, if there has never been a better like nugget of what I think what I want this podcast to be about. She was talking about making the show Sense Eight. Did mm-hmm. you ever see that? Yes, I did. Oh, I yes. loved it so show. much. Mm-hmm. And she was talking and connection. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. She was talking about the Nomi character and she was saying like, I created this character like so that I could like manifest something in a creative medium mm-hmm. that, that I really wanted to be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she said like, I think I have the quote like memorized. She said like, there's something really, there's something wonderful about the magic trick of creating something out of thin air and using it as a handhold mm-hmm. to pull you forward. Oh. Um, which like, isn't that lovely? That's breathtaking. I like paused it and I yep. was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> rewind, listen <laughs> to it again. But so when I talk about artifice, like sometimes I'm talking about this stuff of yeah. like, you can't let people know that you're real because we're making this thing. Right. Sometimes I'm talking about this other stuff where it's like, you know, people don't get to know your relationship with the stuff you're making. Mm-hmm. And I love this idea that like for her, you know, at least that project is a lifeline, yeah. you know? So, I mean, it's just a good, like, little reminder of how broad this, like, what is our relationship with art, like, could be. So, with that in mind, and, like, you know, this beautiful paragraph that you wrote, what, like, what do you feel about your relationship with the art you make? We can talk about your relationship with the audience, like, separately, Mm -hmm. but... With the art itself. Like, how does it affect you, and how do you affect it? Um, I think the art could also be the chemistry you have with yeah. you know the art can be like the glue yeah it doesn't have to be i i think um playing the piano has always led me to be in places where i can be authentically myself mm. so um i guess it's i mean i grew up in a mormon home and i'm a gay man yeah right uh, I don't know if anyone could tell, but you know, <laughs> the voice, that sibilant, sibilant, sibilant S. Anyway, um, so I had a really rough time with identity. Yeah. I was an incredibly active young man in the in the LDS church. Yeah. I I still feel this deep sense of spirituality and community with mm-hmm. what I was taught, um, but I also I I haven't found a fit there. Yeah. And so making music, uh, it was never about any of that. Yeah. You know, it, it was deeply spiritual without any um, limit or box of worthiness Yeah. Um, when I was doing it in the truest way. Mm. And so I think it has really been um, a clarification of 
my own sense of truth about who I am yeah. and what I offer to the world. It's given me a sense of purpose um, when I'm a person who doesn't have a spouse or children yeah. in a community where that is incredibly valued. Yeah. Um, and it has given me a, a way to empathize. I, I always want to find out why a composer has written a work. Yeah. Um, how, what were they feeling? How does that relate to how I feel? Mm -hmm. Um, why are we using this chord or why are we using this musical motif, um, in a musical theater show? Like why, why is, why is Rogers and Hammerstein still relevant? You know, yeah. when we have Lin-Manuel Miranda, right. why, how do we hold all of these things? And mm. I think music allows me to do that because I, I'm doing, you know, I have 10 fingers that are doing right. separate things, but they do one big hole. Totally. Well, does that yeah, make it's, sense? it does make sense. I love it. I want to like, now I want to pause and listen back to everything you just said, because I'm feeling that same kind of way. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think, I think it's just this humanity kind of thing. Like, you know, why are Rodgers and Hammerstein still relevant? Like these questions, like, because they're people, uh -huh. right? And, yeah. and we're people. And the more that we exercise curiosity about our art and about the art we consume, mm -hmm. the better practice we get at experiencing curiosity mm -hmm. about just people, yeah. which I think is like the whole point. Right um, yeah, I'm there with you. Yeah, I f fully agree. Um, yeah. And I loved, I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to remember how you put it, but like right when you very first started talking in this kind of question, you said something like it gave you the spaces, art gave you the spaces to be the person you mm -hmm. are, which I think is a really beautiful way to articulate the relationship that you have with art. Um, it's a, it's like a conduit, mm -hmm. you know, whereby you can find your people and you can yeah. find your safe places. Yeah. It's I, when I, um, when I quit practicing my faith, I was amazed that playing with Sam and Katie or playing in a production that felt as much of a temple experience yeah, yeah, yeah. as temple worship. Yeah. And I might be crucified for saying that, but I think because part of the reason those feelings are so deep and profound is because everyone in that room, whether it's on a stage or a rehearsal yeah. space or a worship a place yeah. of worship they're working to have an elevated experience of yeah. revelatory life yeah right and um that's what music is totally right we use that to celebrate weddings we use it to commemorate life's uh, lives lived at funerals yeah at births uh you know I, it is that thing that lifts mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. because it is human right. it is people yeah it's the best of humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a really similar experience. I also grew up Mormon and I and I was deeply committed to mm -hmm. my faith. And then I went to the University of North Texas to study music and I felt spiritual every mm -hmm. minute of every right. day. Oh, that's how the ballet studio feels. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a sacred and experience. it was the same feeling. Yeah. And then when I when I moved to Utah, I, I grew up in Arizona, which I grew up in a really, really Mormon community. Mesa. Oh, um, I have family there. Yeah. W w don't we all? <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> we all do. Um, and, uh, and when I moved to Utah and heard people talk about the world mm -hmm. and heard people talk about others, mm -hmm. I was just like, but it's not, 
but it isn't, mm-hmm. but you're wrong about mm-hmm. it. And then things crumbled quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, and especially teaching at BYU, which I taught at BYU for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's supposed to be the most heightened. And I didn't feel as mm-hmm. much there because, you know, I mean, this is a generalization, but a lot of people were are closed off, mm-hmm. you know? Anyway, so yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that like art is the place where like my spirit is alive and like where mm-hmm. that... It feels, I I was going to say before, you know, I think something that's really special about collaborative art is when we enter the room, if things are going the way they're supposed to, we've all made an agreement. We've all already made an agreement to meet each other in this transcendental place. And we can do that at any point. I mean, you can do that at Thanksgiving dinner, but it just we're not doing it because it's not something that like is required for that. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is why I'm obsessed with talking to artists about these, these behind the scenes kinds of things, because I think if we can find a way to figure out what it is that we're doing, maybe we can share a little bit of it with people who, and in spaces that aren't dedicated for that purpose. But I think what you said right there, we make an agreement before we come into the room. So one of my very best friends her name is Kim. She lives in Las Vegas. She's an opera singer. We did the Met audition. She sang with Santa Fe Amazing. opera, all of this stuff. But um, at one point with Good Company, I was writing a one man show cool. called the Nick Monologues about my life. Right. Amazing. Um, and I called Kim up and I was like, how I, people aren't going to want, why do they want to hear my story? Why is this important? And she said, you have, first of all, you have to quit apologizing about who you are and what you're doing. But she said, when people come into the theater, They've made an agreement right. to be open. Right. And so there's already this level, like you said, you yeah. come in, we've made this agreement. There's this level of we're here together for a common purpose. We'll experience it differently, but we're doing this, I do, that duality again. Yeah. And we're doing the same thing, but have having our own <laughs> conversation with it. Yes. And we're yeah. allowing each other to do that. Yeah. I think that's what we need right now in 2020, right? Like, uh, yes. How do we, how do we fix problems, but still give space for people to be their best selves? There's literally nothing I'm more interested in than what you just said. <laughs> that's it's everything. And but it's I feel twi- like that's what we can teach as creatives. I think right? so too. Like that's why I have this podcast. Yeah. I, that's the whole point of it for me. I mean, the the I I've mentioned it a couple times. I was raised by really non-creative people. Um, the time the years that I spent teaching at BYU felt a little bit crushing mm-hmm. to me in that way. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were gorgeous moments with mm-hmm. my little classroom yeah. and my little students. Um, but you know, in in a cultural kind of way. I felt a lot lacking there. Um, And I started this podcast right after I stopped Mm -hmm. teaching at BYU because I felt like we have, I, I have got to find a way to like give a microphone to some voices of people who are doing this work all day. Because I mean, I know that's how I feel like, you know, I live in this neighborhood that's like extremely right wing Mm -hmm. and you know, I hear a lot of my neighbors like talking about stuff that I don't agree with, mm-hmm. but I think because I live my life in this art space, mm-hmm. I have so much practice mm-hmm. being open. Mm-hmm. I have so much practice being like creative about people mm-hmm. um, that when I'm having a conversation, 
I know my experience with it isn't the same as theirs. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that I can look at them and be like, I don't agree with what you're saying. And I think it's harmful, but I can look at you and see like your context. Right. I can, I can imagine it. Right. I I think as creative people, uh, we're in the, um, walk of life or practice, whatever you want to call it, where we work, 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 work to refine a a behavior, right? We work, 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 and then we pull ourselves out of the way. Yeah. 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 So that the, that the work can speak for itself. Yeah. And I wonder if that's what allows us to be self-reflective in ways that maybe our friends and neighbors are not. Yeah. We do a lot of work. We do a lot of research. Um, we're thinking all the time. And then, and then when you have that conversation with somebody, we pull ourselves, yeah. we get out of the way. Let me just listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. And think about how do, how am I common with you? Right. Yeah. How am I, what is our shared experience? Yeah. Cause that's like what we do. That. It's like the thing we yeah. do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. And I, and that's why I like this artifice stuff. The behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff is so important. It, it's the stuff that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can, we, we talk about technique and we talk about what it's like to be on stage, but I don't think we talk enough about these like kind of magical things mm-hmm. that we're doing that allow us to even get there that I just think like we need, we have a, we have a key, you know, Mm -hmm. we have like, we have a little recipe of like how to meet somewhere and how to have that kind of agreement. And, you know, it's, I think it's worth saying, like, we also know how to know when we're wrong and when we're sucking at something. (laughs) And we're really gifted at like taking criticism. Yeah. (laughs) And being like, Oh, I've been doing this totally wrong. Okay. Okay. And kind of thinking of that as like, great. I'm glad I'm not going to do it wrong anymore. Right. Here's a new puzzle piece for me to figure out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things are things that I think, and it's not that I think only creatives are doing this no. stuff. I just think pretty I, much all creatives I think we are. think about creatives differently. Like I, I remember um, I had a poetry class and we had a piece of, it was a collection of letters that different creatives had written. And I remember being surprised that there were scientists in there and mathematicians yeah. and economists and you know, um, political scientists. And I was like, this is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. They're not doing art and music and, but they're thinking creatively about problems. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, like, I want to talk about creativity more than I want to talk about art. I mean, I think art, you know, maybe there are some exceptions, but art is always creative Mm -hmm. and creativity isn't always art. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, quote that my friend Catherine um, had on her office door for years and I'm going to screw it up, but it's something about um, science does not always own up to its debt to imagination or something Mm, like that. mm -hmm, Something like mm, that. I love that. You know, I, we're all, we're all, I really think we're all so much more similar than we are different. Amen. And different from is not inferior to. I mean, that's right. a life lesson I've grown up with. So Well, and we're such an odd combination of like this amazing transcendent thing and a disgusting mammal. Right. Like, I mean, but I love that. Yeah. Like, I'm so into the duality of yeah. like, we all get grumpy mm-hmm. and like just say things we don't want to say and we get hungry 
and we get mean. Yeah. But we all we are capable of these insane things that are so precious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, and you know, I, I mentioned before, you know, like I mean, I think it's very clear to anyone that I am a a leftern, a leftern kind of a thinker. I always feel like it should be leftern because like Western, it feels the same to me. That's very silly, but I kind of, I like it. Um, No, I just mean like, it feels like the English word, like it feels like it should have a similar, right? (laughs) it feels like it should be the same. Um, But, uh, but I see just as many of my friends who are left-leaning be totally uncreative about how they think mm. about other people, too. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I also have had the gift of interviewing a lot of really conservative artists mm-hmm. on my podcast. And I know that they also can think creatively about yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and that's why I just think it's the context, but like, you know, the human, the human is like wonderful. Yeah. I, I really always think humanity is gorgeous. Yeah. Even Mo- humans know. that are really hurt and yeah. maybe aren't fit for being in the public still yeah. have, they're, they're, they're yeah. human, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at this. Okay. Um, okay. I, I love just the way that you wrote. I I've learned to welcome experimentation at adaptation, communication and collaboration as the expansive tools. I love that. Like, I mean, I don't know that like there's nothing to say about it, but like letting these be like thinking of experimentation as a tool, Mm -hmm. thinking of adaptation as a tool. Yes. Right. (laughs) I mean, that that has been. Pardon me. There's that phlegm. Hi, mammals. <laughs> yeah. Um, adaptation has been the hallmark of my career. Yeah. Um, well, and it's brave. Like experimentation and exploration is brave, mm-hmm. and it's it's messy and it's hard to do. But isn't that like what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, did you want to say something about like how it pertains specifically to your career? You need to do some lip buzzes. Rattle that phlegm out of there. I've never been good at that. My brother, he loved um, playing Tonka trucks. It's so good. It just like rattles all that phlegm out of there. Do you call them folds or chords? I call them chords. But I do too. Yeah. Old school. (laughs) But Um, I can't not spell it with an H. I have to really check myself because I'm always talking about chords, chords. And then I have to remember this is like an extension chord. Yeah. It's the other kind of chord. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what, what, what unimportant. We, what were um, we talking about? We were just talking about experimentation. I mean, just oh, yeah. these words. Like, I I think like a lot of people wouldn't think of these words as tools. But you know, I, like, I really think that they are tools. Yeah, I mean, they are the tools that has allowed uh, human humanity to become where it is. Like, yeah. if we didn't have experimentation or adaptation, I mean, we wouldn't have survived. Yeah, as, or collaboration. Animals, yeah, you know? like it's a tool in yeah. and of itself. And and I think in applying that to what I do career-wise, I mean, the first time I music directed a show, I knew nothing about how you get this group of people to co- be a cohesive thing. Yeah. On, I mean, I knew something about it, but I'd never done it professionally. I didn't know how to, where I was going to hire musicians. Yeah. How do you, you, and so, you know, 
I probably should go back to the first producers that ever hired me and say, I'm really sorry, sorry. but um, <laughs> I'm not going to do that because yeah. the shows were successful. Yeah. You know, you figured but it out. That's you, you know, the point. Or like in the ballet studio, um, the first time I played for Ballet West, it was so fast paced when I was used to, you play like 16 counts and then you have the teacher giving. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, it was quick and I was, I was trying to play tunes that I'd heard someone else play. And so I was trying to be a copycat, I think, which didn't work and I wasn't able to watch. And so I had to start experimenting with the tunes I know, which are, you know, golden age, American song, songbook, musical theater stuff. And I learned quickly I play better when I play what I know. Yeah. It's like, I'm a better person when Isn't I tell the truth, trip? Yeah. you know? Mm. And, uh, and so experimenting with, uh, like, um, Cole Porter's I've got you under the skin, under my skin. Yeah. I can play that in a slow three. I can play it as a tango. I yeah. can play it in a quick two. You are a jazz musician. I mean, it just, it really, because it's yeah. improvisation, right? you know, but it took I was terrified the first time I played in company class. I thought they are so used to hearing Jared, who's brilliant, you know, um, and other top level players. And here I am, you know, tiddly winking at the piano. I had to get past the first five minutes of judging myself in that class to then go, I've got this. This is going to be fine. It's really hard to value the stuff that is natural to you. Uh Uh-huh. Um, it's something I tell my students all the time and I have to keep telling myself all the time, the stuff that you're naturally good at, it seems like you shouldn't be focusing on mm-hmm. that stuff. Cause like, if it's easy for me, it can't be right. valuable, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, someone else looking at you is like, how are you doing that? Yeah. And well, why yeah. wouldn't you dig into the uh-huh. stuff that you're great at? Yeah. So for the listener, will you just like describe what it is that you do because it's really (laughs) mind-blowing it's mind-blowing even to me um yeah so I'm the company pianist for Ballet West and I've been there for about it'll be about a year now we're starting on my second season with them wow and I begin every day with company members um at Ballet West Studios there are probably I don't know how many there are 40 maybe when we're all together but they're all in class at ballet bars and there's a ballet master at the front of the room who is teaching what would be a technique or a warm up class. It's an hour and a half class and there are two parts. They dance at the bar. So they have some balance, um, gravity help. And then they dance in the center where they're doing all of their pirouettes, their jumps and everything. Yeah. My job is to listen to the ballet master as they are giving what is called a dance combination. Um, and that's, you know, we do these many plies, we do these many port de bras, you know, yeah, arabesque, (laughs) right? Like ponche, all of these things, right? That I was like, I don't know French and now I know what they mean. Um, you know, but, uh, the ballet master or the teacher of the class will usually give combinations in a rhythm. Yeah. So they'll say, you know, like grand plié and then here and uh da, right. Da, da. right so i know that's like, going to be a slow three yeah da, 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 so yeah. after their first phrase is given to the class i'm going through my list of tunes on my tablet to be like okay what am i playing what am i playing what am i playing so crazy so i'll pick a tune uh, i'm trying to th- uh the other day i played um 
Till There Was You from The Music Man. So beautiful. Right? What a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Gorgeous piece. I love that piece. It is, it's in a four count measure, right? Um, and it's, it, it's phrased in such a way that it works for dance because every phrase is in four or eight mm. counts. Mm. There are four phrases and four phrases. So they can play or dance to both sides. But the dance teacher wanted it in a slow three for plie. Yeah. So I have to think, am I going to take these four counts in this measure and turn them into three or into six? Right. Yeah. So I'm dropping a count or I'm adding two yeah. to this music, right? Yeah. And I'm doing it on the fly. Right. Yeah. It, it's uh, such it, a jazz thing. Crazy. It is. Yeah. Uh, and um, But I think it's why these standard jazz tunes work so well. Yeah. They were written to be danced to. Yeah. They were written to be modified. I mean, you look at Jerome Kern, you look at George Gershwin, yeah. you look at um, Cole Porter. Yeah. They have so much space. Yes. They're written with space. Yes. And yeah. that's what I, I hear a lot of uh, dance pianists talk about space within mm. the phrase for the dancers so they can yeah. lift their leg yeah. or their arm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just I just want to like make sure the listener understands. The dance teacher says some words. Yeah. And then Nick just decides what to play. Yeah. I never know what I'm going to play. And you are making art with these dancers in their classroom. Yes. Every day. Yes. And the thing, but they're, they're top level professionals yeah. taking a class every day. Yeah. I mean, they can opt out of it, but uh, it's amazing to me. I mean, it is really, truly a creative sacred space yeah. because they're working on their technique and artistry. I'm working on mine. The ballet, excuse me, sorry. The ballet, there's that mammal thing again. Ballet yes, master is watching I love the it. dancers, it's beautiful. Uh, critiquing them. They're working individually, but they're also like watching each other. Yeah, I'm watching them while I'm playing. I mean, it has really helped my. You're technique. inspired by them. Yes, they're, inspired they're inspired by, by you. Me. It's amazing. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. It is so uplifting yeah. and energizing. I mean, it's exhausting because yeah. there's so much mental work going yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Their bodies are exhausted because it's just such highly athletic work. But it's so much fun. Yeah. Well, and this is the kind of thing that like, like I said, I'm vaguely aware that this exists, mm -hmm. but I think most people aren't. And it's one of these things where like, I mean, this in and of itself is artifice. Like we're talking about an entire medium, mm -hmm. I, I would say, that no one ever sees. Yeah. Oh, the only oh, people yeah. who see it are you and the dancers and the teacher. Right. Right. Um, And the audience sees, you know, the show, the show. Mm -hmm. Um, and they also have no idea what's behind the scenes yeah. of just that. Yeah. But this, I mean, this whole like gorgeous medium exists, mm -hmm. um, that you are like living and breathing every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and people forget to think about it. So, I mean, these stories, I think these stories are important, like, you know, just so people know, yeah. like what, like, what are we doing? Yeah. Oh, and I it's amazing. Watch a, a ballet class, like yeah. an advanced ballet class, because you learn, you learn so much about um, adaptation and yeah. you learn about uh, working in groups, but also yeah. working. I mean, it's just fascinating. 
Um, well, that's one thing I loved about majoring in jazz studies. I, I'm a very like naturally like I memorize well. Mm-hmm. I'm a very like analytical type of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to plan and practice mm-hmm. and think a lot before mm-hmm. I execute. Like I, that's just normal. That's how mm-hmm. I prefer it. And I don't know like what possessed me to major in jazz studies other than that I'm moved by the music. It's gorgeous. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I, I think maybe there was a little part of me that knew that that's what I needed to stretch, yeah. even though it's not. Um, I mean, the w- things you guys would do with theory and scales and chords. I love it. I mean, it's, I love it so much. It's so much more than I, yeah. I keep thinking I need to study jazz <laughs> so I can color up class but it's so interesting i think i mean if you have like a math brain which like i i do so but i mean yeah majoring like studying jazz was really difficult for me because that's not my natural state Mm -hmm. but i can't tell you how frequently i think like these skills that i learned of this adaptability it is the point Mm -hmm. it's not like a means to an end like it's the The skill yeah and And I think, I think about that all the time. Like, you know, I run a wedding band. That's one of my like little hustles that I do Mm -hmm. to make money so that I can make art that's niche. Um, (laughs) and you know, so I can make niche. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. It's because it's weird, but yeah, (laughs) but thank you. But yes, I agree. Um, but also I am aware. Um, Yeah. But I think I was going to say, think about it with the band, you know, like, like it's such a stupid thing, but like, you know, I'll hire someone kind of green, like I'll yeah. hire someone new to play keys or whatever. Yeah. And you know, the person doesn't do a perfect job and I'll hear some of the other band members be like, Oh, no, they're complaining. And I'm like, fix it. Right. Like, what can you do? Right. Like, this seems so obvious to yeah. me that like, you could be like, Hey man, I can see you're struggling. Like, what if, um, what if you focus on this and like right. I'll pick up the slack this other way because I'm totally comfortable here. Yeah. Like I'll stretch myself, you're stretching yeah. yourself and like maybe we'll make something, maybe we'll make freaking Jesse's girl a brand new cool right. thing, you know, yeah. like why, why wouldn't we try? Yeah. And it just, I'm like, you're all jazz musicians. This is your job. Do it. Yeah. Like, but I think like we forget even as artists, we forget to like take these lessons yeah. and, and extrapolate them. Yeah. Um, that was one thing that was lovely. Um, my first few weeks at ballet West, I had subbed in for different rehearsals for them for the previous season, but they all knew my name and they were just, I think I showed up and they all, they all probably went, okay, here we go. You know, but they have been so supportive and so warm and, you know, and have taken me and say, have said to me, maybe try this yeah. or look at the tune this way yeah. or you apply know, creativity. So, right. You know, <laughs> and it has just been the most welcoming professional that. experience I think I've had. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's, it is incredible. I want to see it everywhere. Yeah. I want to see it in corporate offices. Yeah. I want to see it in families. Mm-hmm. I want to see it in neighbors. Just why aren't we doing it? <laughs> also, it's fun. It's fun it to is. be creative. Yeah. It's fun to kind of think like, hmm, what can we... It's you know, rewarding like, yeah. to see something in a different way than you had experienced it before. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, Nick, I've loved talking to you so much. Thank you. I've, I've been it. like so bummed the last couple of weeks, and this conversation is just like making me feel so happy. <laughs> I think that makes two of us darling. <laughs> Good. Quarantine has been lonely. Yeah. When you said you're social, and I'm not really, mm-hmm. I love people, but I love people one at a time, mm-hmm. but I love people concentrated. Yes. You know? Uh-huh. Um, and so luckily I still get to do this, which feels yes. safe uh-huh. enough. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like even I, like I went, um, I went to the hardware store last weekend mm-hmm. and just, f- I feel, I mean, I've been going to the hardware store most weekends because I'm doing tons of yard work. Yeah. That's, um, that's what how I'm spending my gigless summer. Tis the um, season. And I just feel like I feel moved by people. I think I'm just forgetting like how much I just like people even Mm -hmm. as strangers you know Mm -hmm. like when I come up to the cash register I'm like a new person like I get to interview I get to interact with you for a second right my friends are like old boyfriends are different things you know they'd always be like you know everyone wherever we go you know someone (laughs) but I love people and I make new friends all the time like it just so quarantine has been weird for that quarantine has been weird for a number of reasons but um I moved from Ogden to Salt Lake right at the beginning Oh, and so you lost all your close well, people. Oh, but all your I people. I haven't lost them, but I was living in my own apartment in Ogden for like the past six years. And I love that little place. And I've moved into a house with housemates. Okay. And they are delightful human beings. Um, one of them is a pianist. One of them is a dancer. Wow. And we have just had a blast. Amazing. Making music and dance. Like um, one of the, my roommates, she teaches for Evolve dance studio yeah. wait that's like right here is that here really she's been doing these okay um, there's a place that's called evolve right here but it's it's an it's it it's be. not a I, dance studio my phone off, it's a but. um it's a work what do you call it a gym oh <laughs> like a workout place <laughs> i mean that would, i forgot the name. word that's gym a creative name for a gym evolve that's yeah. i like that so i think it's probably it's the same but, name but different place anyway i i think that's what they're called i can't remember but we've just she's made these dance videos for her little kids that she teaches because they can't be together in a class creativity and so we've done these youtube videos or when the company um okay okay yeah let's just let's just say okay damn it it's all good darling Okay, we're back again. My computer's having some problems today. Um, Nick and I, how long do you think we were talking that it wasn't recording? Maybe 10 10 minutes? minutes. Okay, so I think we got mostly everything. (laughs) We said some really amazing, beautiful things. Life is ephemeral, and that's part (laughs) of its beauty. (laughs) So, I mean, I think, so we we can't recapture what we've lost. Um, Hopefully you guys have heard, like, enough things. But I do just want you to just say the wrap-up. So, um, so... What is your dream collaboration? Okay. You All already right. told me, but t- yeah, but tell, tell the, tell the again, listener. Because it's okay. still true. <laughs> so my bestie, Kim, that's the soprano that sang with Seattle Opera. Um, she and I have talked about numbers and numbers of things, but I would we want to open a performing arts school after we've retired from our careers um, as performers. And I really, uh, in discussing that with her, we want to do it in a way that was different than we experienced it. I love so that. So we can allow creative play, uh, experimentation, all of those tools that we had talked about, um, allow those in our students. And then 
you know, give them the space and the facility yeah. to make careers I think that is own. a truly beautiful dream. Yeah. And, uh, and I feel weird because, like, I'm responding to this for a second time, <laughs> which is making it feel phony, even though it isn't. Um, and then finally, I know it's so, I, I'm so frustrated because I've been... <laughs> I love it. And that's a, no, that's a mammal too. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I've been doing, I mean, this is, I think this is episode 75 and just, I've never had an issue with the computer and it's, I don't know what it's doing. Maybe it needs to do like an update or something. Um, but I want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you. So. So they can find me on Instagram. I'm favorite Nick. No K. Um, I am working on a new website pianoman.com I love that Isn't name that <laughs> I, uh, it's from my days when I was dueling pianists <laughs> singing Billy Joel all the time but I love uh, it <laughs> what a path right yeah um <laughs> and I just recorded an album for ballet west for their ballet class um cd that's so cool yeah so if you are out there and you teach dance look up Nick this Mon. this will be for that yes Nick, once again, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Once I've just again, loved it. It's such a pleasure. I've loved <laughs> thank it you, as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel and ad segment music by Jerem Hansen. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.